0: Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void or prohibited. Here's worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito I'll
1: start off by saying I'm bored, I'm broke, and I'm back. <laughs> It has obviously been a, a big week, lots going on, uh, lots of excitement, lots to talk about on this, the Cold of Cold podcast. Thank you for tuning in. Uh, you have found some time to really get in on the, the Twitter game. We've mentioned this in the past. We are on Twitter, at Cult of Cold. Um, we are not up to 20 followers yet, but we're almost there. We're up to 18. Really, we're on an upward trajectory you have been rocking the Twitter game. You've made it worth a follow. Like, honestly, if you're listening to this, follow at the Cult of Cult. It will make Gumby very happy, and you have just been, like, all over the place. Are you loving this? Is this, like, uh, scratching an itch that you didn't know you had? First,
0: Brian, good to see you. Yeah. Uh, I, it is. It is. I, uh, I'm all about the Twitters right now. It's been really, really interesting, because, again, I didn't have Twitter before this. I had right. no... Uh, at all. So so for me, I just dove right in where other people have been doing this for, for years. I've really enjoyed it. But once you get past the trolls, you gotta just move them off the bridge and get mm-hmm. yourself going. It is great for sports. You you get live updates on what's happening. So even if you're not right in front of the TV that exact second, you get to hear and see what's happening with with clips, stats, people's yep. thoughts. It's kind of like having good commentators uh, on your phone because you don't have them on tv very often we did this time but not normally so twitter's been fun and uh, i've enjoyed throwing some tweets out there and, and i hope that i'm getting people involved which has been yeah. kind of like uh, getting that little like that that touch to our fans here
1: at the cult of cult at the cult of cult at <laughs> do, do you feel more informed or do you feel dumber because you're on Twitter. Because like there's really only two options there. Um, Twitter, a lot of good. I think you're right. Best for sports. I, I think it has limited utility, save for like people who are just perpetually funny. I, there are some good funny follows. But really, really, really shines during live sports. Um, do, do you feel like you were missing something? Was there something missing in your life, and it turns out that it was the at Cult of Cult Twitter account?
0: It's kind of like a double-edged sword when it comes to that. Uh, yeah. First of all, yeah, you could be a lot dumber if you don't use this for sports. If you're using it to get information in real life, you're getting a lot of bad information. Yeah, very you're quickly.
1: dumb. Sorry, yeah,
0: you're you are dumb. sorry <laughs> you um, don't
1: use don't you you can use Hogshaven to get Washington football team news, but do not use Twitter to get actual world news. Please, yeah, don't that's...
0: don't write a paper off the information that no. you have received on Twitter. Yeah. Um However, it, it, you. Sports-wise, you you again. You're just getting this a massive amounts of information all at once. Yeah. The problem I have is that it sometimes deters from the game. It can do that because you got your phone in front of you and you're tweeting and you're looking and you're tw- and you want to be the first person to tweet about this and you want to see that and you and just this. So what you do is sometimes and I do because again new to this yeah. is that I will actually put the phone down. You can for do a that. second. I, I know, didn't know it's you hard. Do that. I'm I'm an old man. Where we are. Uh, we have that ability still. And I just put the phone down, especially in the yeah. second half of this last game. And I said, I'm going to tweet less because this is getting super interesting. And I wanted to actually see what was happening and it was awesome. And I still tweeted here and there. Don't get me wrong, but it, that's the, the double edged swords. You get all this information and it's so much, you get so involved, but sometimes you're not actually watching the physical game on the TV in front of you.
1: Yeah, there's that. <laughs> there definitely is that. Well, I'm, I'm glad you're enjoying it. Um, I, I told you when you approached me with this idea that I thought it would be a good idea to make one, but that I would really at this point not be so good at participating. I have the password. I think I have tweeted uh, <laughs> but this is this is really the the uh, what what are we calling you the director of social media?
0: Director of social media because yeah, I do the tweeter. Um, but to your credit, you covered the spread.
1: I covered the spread. I covered the spread. I took the points. I put it out there into the world that I wanted the points, and
0: give me that right. money. Ed. And I doubled down by tweeting you before the game, and I said they moved it from seven because we said seven or seven and a half. They yeah. moved it to six, and I said, "Are you still in?" You said, "Absolutely."
1: Yeah, points,
0: points. I'm taking the points. We're going. We're going with it.
1: Yeah revisionist history don't go back and listen to how i said they would get the points uh we'll just say that i was very confident that i thought they were going to win this game okay i just felt really good with the points and going for the straight win don't don't it it doesn't
0: matter how we got there it doesn't just as long as you get there
1: uh well speaking of getting there this team it makes us drink uh sometimes happy drinks um so we're going to be sipping on something every week. And so I will ask you, Gubby, this week, what are you sipping on?
0: Well, I'm fortunate enough to where I actually swung by Charlie Miller's little place. It's called Lone Oak Brewery yeah, in only Maryland. Guy. Yeah, and I love it. Uh, they actually have a Christmas, 12 Days of Christmas available. So you can get uh, three, four-packs. Mm-hmm. For a set price, a, a little bit of a sale, and you get the cans to go, and it's, it gives you the twelve days of Christmas, Lone Oak style. Yeah. And I picked up Sandbar, which is a tropical IPA. Oh, so it's got the, the palm trees on it, and it, it's actually very nice. It's uh, it's sitting at about seven percent, but it uh very much has like a hazy IPA taste mm-hmm. with just a dash of that ooh, like that tropical taste. So I I, I actually drank it all throughout the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, on Monday at 5 o'clock in the afternoon because that's when Amazing. you should be watching football. And I yeah. was happy.
1: Happy hour. It was happy hour football.
0: Happy hour football. And again, it was done by 9. I got to sleep at a good time. Uh, it was awesome. So I was very happy with the Lone Oak Brewery Sandbar Tropic IPA for the Christmas, 12 Days of Christmas. But, of course, you know, it's not always
1: about me. Mm, Brian,
0: what you sipping on?
1: I am sipping on, it's a beer called Tracks by Civil Society Brewing. Uh, it's an Imperial New England double IPA. Ooh. They're based out of Jupiter, Florida. I was actually, I was looking for something that sort of felt a little bit more uh, thematic to the events of this week, but I didn't have any beers from Pittsburgh in my fridge. Um,
0: you can only have so much Iron City before you just can't live with yourself.
1: Iron City, all right, I know you're not listening for beer takes, though frankly you should be if you're listening. Iron City Light is the worst beer; <laughs> it is so bad. Do not drink Iron City Light. Sorry, sorry, Yinzers. Icy Light is yuck.
0: Oh, it's it's a pile of crap. It's a yeah. uh, it, it. I don't know how it does this, but you drink like a sixteen ounce of the Iron City Light, yep. but forty six ounces of pee come out. Like I don't know how
1: you pee yeah, more than you it, drink. Yeah, that's true. They should study that. I don't. I don't. Are our, our is science on top of this? They really ought to be.
0: They should be because I spent. Oh, I went to a, a Steelers game last year and I spent so much time in the bathroom. I was like, I gotta.
1: Do you guys have anything
0: that doesn't start with iron available? Yuck. Yeah.
1: Well, this is very good. Uh, as I mentioned, Jupiter, Florida, eight point five percent ABV, a little tall boy. It's kind of a Ooh. neat like. Uh, what, what's that called? Graffiti looking can. Uh, it's a four two on untapped. And Ooh. I also think this is pretty tropical as well. Um, it's making me feel, I think, beachy, excited, relaxed, uh, like a little bit, you know, just different. I think it is making me feel kind of similar to how this uh, this Monday afternoon soiree made me feel. I, I mean, look, we... Were, were I said points. What were you expecting? <laughs> what, were, what was your expectation going into that game?
0: I, I said that we should take the points, but I definitely thought that the Washington football team was going to lose. Mm. And, and the reason is, and again, I after we said that they were going to, it's going to be close. I thought they were right. going to play close, but I just didn't think our offense had the power. Right. I thought the offense was going to leave the defense on the field too long, and the the. The weapons of the Pittsburgh Steelers were going to take us over eventually. It was just going to happen. And we were going to lose by, you know, three to th- three or six points. That's what I thought was going to happen. Then I heard Mike Tomlin talk after the Ravens game. And I heard that and he was pissed. And I give Mike Tomlin all the credit in the world. He's a he's a good coach. He is a good and, coach. And he's one of those people when he starts getting pissed off, people listen. And I really thought the Steelers were going to come out at this game. And try to make up for the lackluster performance they had against the Ravens. Yep. And come out with just just be a world beater. And I think they did. And I think they come out and they came out firing. But our defense was up for the challenge, which was, was I said this on Twitter. I said this to, to you. I said to my brother. It was like, we have to be prepared for a fight. And a fight yep. is what we started with.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. They um It's interesting because I was, uh, last week, I recorded two podcasts. I recorded our podcast, and I went on the Behind the Steel Curtain podcast on uh, the Behind the Steel Curtain website as part of SB Nation. Really appreciate those guys having me on. I had a lot of fun. They were, did you get a chance to watch? I'm not going to be mad if you said no. I have not, no. They were very negative going into this game. Really? Like, yeah, very like, well, like, you know, they, they just got to be, they got to play better. We can't have a performance like they had against the Ravens. Just like, you know, these guys, they just can't catch the football. Like, I really want to say, see... and you know, at one point I stopped, actually I said this twice, I said, okay, we can switch. You guys can have <laughs> our record and we will take your record. And I promise you won't hear complaining from us. But one of the questions that got asked was one that we discussed here last week which was namely, under what set of circumstances does Washington win this football game? And I gave them the same answer that I gave you, which is, if Pittsburgh comes out and they're tired and they're flat, understandably, because of you know changing schedules and sort of just like the whiplash of will they play, won't they play, a lot of other things on your mind besides football. If they come out like that, And if Washington comes out playing as good as they can play, it will be close. And when it's close, it's a coin flip. And I feel that that kind of is how it transpired. See, I I would say I would would
0: kind of disagree. And this is why I would disagree because, again, the Steelers aren't a team that are throwing up 40, 50 points. They're not a high-scoring team. Most of the games they have won, they've won by between three and seven points. Sure. So so they're not coming out and, and just racking up the points. Um so they came out and they came out hard in the first half. They did. They had they they had good drives. Our offense stuttered, 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 wasn't doing anything, but our defense really truly stepped up to the game. Yeah. That that goal line stand they had was absolutely epic. And it was one of those moments you go, I'm watching this, I said, we have a chance. Yep. And I I said, but the problem we're gonna have is that immediately after that, we're putting the you know, the offense for and out, mm-hmm. offense for and out, punt, punt, and then for some ungodly reason we did that fourth down fake punt thing. And I hated that because it was on our side of the field. You don't too, do it on your it side too of the field. Cute.
1: They got a little cute.
0: They got Dallas Cowboys on us. The, yeah. that the Dallas Cowboys did that twice last game and they lost by a lot.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's and, funny because there have been. You are gonna know this, I think. There has been one other massively embarrassing trick play attempt in somewhat recent history. You know what I am talking about?
0: No, which one? Swing. You are gonna gate. say it. I am gonna know it. The swinging was... gate. Oh god, that was so bad against the so
1: Giants bad. with with Jim Zorn. Yeah, like that, that was a so travesty. Bad. That's considered yeah. to be one of the worst things. One of the like that was the nail in the coffin. They actually they
0: actually actually have a uh, thing on YouTube I watched about the worst trick plays ever in the NFL. That
1: yeah. was on there. It's on there for sure. Yeah. And one of the and I'm sure when you watched that trick play video, there's something that happens in each of those plays where it takes just a little bit too long to execute and the defense has already figured out what's about to happen. They know it's going to be some crazy shit, but they know that whatever it is, they have it under control. Absolutely, and what I saw as I'm watching them sort of do all this like man in motion, then Logan Thomas in motion, then another man in motion. And Logan Thomas lines up under center, and like you can tell, some shit's about to happen. And, it was it was abnormal, completely abnormal. And instinctively, what what I saw was the Steelers' two defensive tackles move in, so yeah. they're go lining up right over top of the center in the a gaps on both sides of the center. The linebackers. Moved up, yeah, and so they were, f- they they knew that some shit was about to go down, but they were fully prepared to like blow it up immediately, which is exactly what happened.
0: Oh, absolutely, and, abs- that- and, and, and so one of the commentators was like, "Well, he only missed by this, this, this." No, if you. If two blocks are missed, it's over. It doesn't yeah. matter. It didn't yeah. work. Like great, good conversation. Guess what? If uh the guy hadn't tipped the ball, would have been an interception. If yeah, don't don't. What if the crap out of it? It was a bad play. No, and it, it was a it was bad play. missed blocks, and that set me off. That play set me off. I had to leave for a minute. I put the phone down. There was yeah. no Twitter for a second. I was like, this is bad. Then after that fourth down, the the defense had that that goal line stand and then the punt happened then Pittsburgh because because it's four and out Pittsburgh comes back and throws that that nice pass to the left side and for a touchdown yep and at that point I'm I'm just yelling at the TV going you got to give the defense an opportunity to rest you as long as they as long as the offense can eat some time up mm-hmm. and and let the defense rest we're going to be okay I don't know if they heard me They probably didn't because I'm here. They were in Pittsburgh. I'm also in my basement. Well, you're pretty loud. I I can be loud. That's very true. Mm -hmm. Uh, But with that, that's kind of what happened the rest of the quarter. The rest of the half is that the offense ate a little time up. They didn't play well. They got enough for three points. But the defense kept Pittsburgh to only 14 points. They should have had 21, maybe even 28 points. But they only had 14.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I my as I was watching, and I will preface all of this by saying, honestly, this is maybe the most fun I have had watching this team since RG three. Maybe, you know. There's I, some Kirk I'm, Cousins days that were pretty good. There were, but I just at that point I wasn't. I I kind of a, I was either not fully paying attention or come on, you like that? That was a good day. That was a good day. That was a really good day. Anyways, I, I this game I personally, I'm in a work from home situation. I have my television. So at five o'clock, I'm still working. I turn my chair around and put the game on the TV, and it was kind of great because I was like, all right, I guess I'm gonna crack a beer. Uh, you know, like it's five five o'clock. Like, and you know, you're working, but you can maybe maybe have a little cocktail at that point. Okay. So I turn it on, and you mentioned this. The first half, uh, Pittsburgh did come out hard. They did. And Washington was a team that looked flat. And there was a point in the second quarter where Washington was down 14 to nothing. With So Pittsburgh had just hit the home run touchdown. The deep, for, the deep ball, yeah. For 50 yards. One play, 50 yards, nine seconds they're down 14 nothing Washington gets the ball back they pick up two first downs yep and have to punt they're down 14 they are given the ball back to end the to end the half and my reaction at that point was if Pittsburgh scores here I think they might run away with it I think I think like it's not only is it going to be over but I think it's going to be a laugher And so Pittsburgh gets the ball back with, like, two minutes left to go. They run it for one yard, short pass for, like, six, and then Smith-Schuster was called short, I believe. I believe so. Of the first down, and they had to punt it back. And that was when Washington took the ball, went six plays, twenty-eight yards in forty-nine seconds, and kicked the Dustin Hopkins field goal. And so, right before, right before they, they punted, I was like, "I am not feeling good." And right after they did, and Washington comes back and gets points on the board with well, a decent return,
0: a decent return on decent that return, punt.
1: yeah, gets points on the board before the half. I said, "Okay, this isn't going to be an embarrassment." And then to come out on the first possession of the second half. Fourteen plays, eighty-two yards, eat six forty-four off the clock, and end up with that with Peyton Barber slamming it into the end zone, making it a four-point game. I said, "Okay, game's on right now."
0: Well, so when we talked about this before we started the recording, um, the Washington football team is showing some IQ. Yes. Is how you look at it. For years and years and years, as a team, we were we had athletes who weren't taught to do certain things. And they were, no. the IQ was okay, but not to the championship level. And I have said some things about Alex Smith uh, on this podcast and how he shouldn't be playing. Of course, he's comeback player of the year. He is. And um, oh, I'm going to eat it. I'm going to eat it right now. He, Alex Smith is showing up. And yeah. I I was wrong uh, with that. No, I've never been wrong before. ha, ha, ha. But Alex Smith did something with the ball in that two minute range where he he's trying to run time off the clock. And this has kind of been talked about recently uh on, on like ESPN, but we saw it at the game where he picked up the ball and kind of ran off with the ball. And yes. He
1: was, and he was Tri- able a to little trickeration within well, the bounds that's... of the rules, but like definitely was pulling some shit.
0: It, it, absolutely, because you if you see the video, he actually takes the ball. He's about to hand it away tucks it back in smiles and runs off. Yeah. So what and so what people don't understand so there are different balls for each each situation. There's the ball you throw, the ball you kick, and they always have backup balls. But because of COVID, there are certain rules about where the balls can be and how they can be dispersed. So the ball to be punted or the ball to have a field goal yep. is a different ball. But usually, what they'll do is they'll take the ball that the throwing ball and place it on the ground and move it around and, and and make sure it's okay. And then they switch the ball. By Alex Smith grabbing that ball, running off the field, they couldn't find the ball to place. Right.
1: Yeah. Clock so, would clock would be winding otherwise. But correct. They were able to chalk it up as like a referee's error because they didn't have a ball to spot. So I gave them eight seconds that allowed. More than enough time. Like that was a very comfortable Dustin Hopkins field goal at the end of that. Half. Um They haven't all felt that comfortable of late. Um, I know there was a point in the year when people were saying enough's enough. Like he's got to go. Yeah, I'm not there. I'm at at some point soon. I, I'm 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 calling my shot here. I have not been writing a lot of articles for Hog I apologize. Uh, I'm. I think I'm going to write a Dustin Hopkins piece to sort of do a breakdown of like where he stands in terms of Washington football team kickers. I have a feeling he's going to be top 10. He might be top 5. He's been he's had one of the best careers of any Washington football team kicker. As he's, long as you
0: bring up Nick Novak, I'll be happy. Yeah, I love Nick Novak.
1: Hopkins named the NFC special teams player of the week this week. We just got that information. Bill in Bangkok writing that up on Hugshaven. Haven. Go over there and good
0: job, Bill. Check it up. Nice. Um,
1: yeah. So, I mean, his his efforts being recognized this week. I mean, I don't. I wasn't really paying attention to a lot of other special teamers to evaluate him against, but he had a uh, he had a, a really nice performance and that those three points there at the half. Was, uh, were, were huge. They were huge. Uh, so special teams playing a role in this contest. And then, yeah, I, I just, the one thing, and I apologize, I I think I cut you off. I don't know. Contract conversation moved a different direction. I want to, I do want to talk like a minute or two specifically about the defense, like really dive in on this. Um, our front four is the best front four in the league
0: if they aren't they there may be some dispute to that yeah. but they're in the they're in the damn conversation cuz they are it's a it's a wall and the and everyone's upset about sacks everyone keeps talking about how there wasn't enough sacks that was not the game plan the game plan was you I'm going to take our four guys we're not we're not adding anyone else there was no linebackers there was no no corner blitz no safety blitzes there was no scheme it was I'm taking my four guys and setting up against the line, and they're going to stop you. And they did that. Yeah. They Those four guys went against a really good line, a really good running team, and Ben Roethlisberger, and held their own, those four guys. That's impressive.
1: Yeah. I, I was watching and just seeing – each of the four of them standing out, and it's funny because like in my mind, I'm like, okay, who's the worst? What's the, what's our who's our fourth best D lineman? And I'm like, oh my god, like is it Deron Payne? But like Deron Payne is a fantastic D lineman. Absolutely, he's really good. Chase Young is drawing more double teams than like any other rookie in the history of football. Montez Sweat is making a legitimate case to be. A first-team all-pro player absolutely he is disrupting he is one of the most disruptive forces I can remember in some time just kind of like knocking down balls getting after the quarterback I mean they showed the highlight for anyone who didn't see it I mean it was on Thanksgiving so people probably saw it, but of pain uh, or sweat rather with the interception on Thanksgiving and seeing it again, I was like, wow. It's all—it's even better than I remember it having been. He is, such a good play. He is a freak. Our defensive ends are so good. They, uh, you know, okay, were there mistakes behind them? Yeah, we saw a couple. Uh, Kendall Fuller had a pretty bad angle on a play. I believe that ended up being a touchdown.
0: But that was in the first half.
1: It was in the first half. I think your assessment a few weeks ago... We were talking about how the passing defense was better; was the best passing defense in the league, and the rush defense was kind of in the middle. Your assessment that the D linemen were making it so hard for the secondary, for for receivers to get free and for quarterbacks to get r- rid of the ball, that the secondary was the recipient of sort of the accolade; they were the beneficiaries of the work that the front four was doing. I totally agree with that. I yeah. totally agree with it, man. For man, I still think the defensive secondary, frankly, even the linebackers, could be better. They, I don't know if I am taking any of those position groups over even a median position group at their at their at their and you know other another set of secondaries, but I am for sure taking the Washington defensive line over. I would say any other D line in the league.
0: Now, if you but if you look at the second half of that Pittsburgh game. And I'm, I'm going to take the whole season and condense in that second half of that Pittsburgh game. You're looking at some really good receivers. You are. And, uh, the secondary showed up. They, they had one of the better second halves as a defense that I have seen. I didn't mean as an entire defense that I have seen in a very long time from this team. And yep. they showed pride. They showed IQ and they showed they gave a shit, and they were they were hitting, they were smacking balls down. They they knew what was happening, and it was great. And when they came out that second half, and the offense, I'm gonna go with defense offense. Yeah. The offense was able to score, was able to waste time, so the defense was always kind of fresh, and it became this wonderful team effort. But that secondary showed up. I mean, I, I hate to say it, but we talked about Abke early in the. Uh, in the year, he had zero plays; he never touched the field. Yeah, he was not present at all. But you have like uh, Everett killing it, Fuller killing it, and you're just looking going. These guys, they're they're starting to gel; they're starting to come together. And that is a Del Rio way of thinking, and uh, and I could not be happier with that. And one of the commentators uh, at the very end of the first half was talking about the Redskins. Oh, sorry, sorry, I have to eat crow on that one. The Washington football team. all right. And uh, and he was talking about how he they have two defensive coaches in uh, Riverboat Ron and Del Rio and how their offense was playing in a way that would only allow the defense to do something. And to Scott Turner's credit, that second half, he showed those commentators how wrong they were. Yeah, you hold
1: Pittsburgh to three points in the entire second half. You deserve to that, win the football game, but
0: but then against Pittsburgh, you score enough to win after being down fourteen to three. That's true. Like you got, there's both ends of that coin where the defense showed up, but the offense showed up too, and there you have just the running backs are killing it. You have Logan Thomas, who what a great pickup that ended up being. He's had the best game that he's had. Yep. It it, it was it was a McKissick was just all over the place in the fourth quarter. And I'm watching this. I'm like, this is... They're just beating the crap out of the defense of this Pittsburgh Steelers. And there's nothing that Pittsburgh could do. And I loved
1: it. Yeah. It's, you know, it's interesting because you look at the offensive statistics and they're... I will give credit to Pittsburgh's defense. They largely they did a better job on Terry McLaurin than I think we've seen anyone do. I mean, they held him for two catches for 14 yards. Yeah. Um, Logan Thomas having a fantastic game, nine catches for 98 yards and a touchdown. Like really, he has been, he was the guy I told that the, the, uh, the Steelers podcast behind the steel curtain podcast. I said, you need to look out for him. He's, they said, who's the guy that we don't know that we should be afraid of him. I said it's Logan Thomas. He has, you talk about growth, really since the, maybe a little bit before the Lions game, but definitely the Lions game, has just gotten better and better and better, and he's become an NFL tight end. He was fantastic. Uh, still held under 100 yards, but then you have three guys who had big, big receiving days. Cam Sims with that unreal one-handed catch. Unreal. Highlight reel. One-handed
0: catch. Oh, my God. And it was third down. and Huge. And I don't care who you are. I thought there was pass interference on that one. His other hand got taken away, and he only had one choice, and he made it work.
1: Yeah. Five catches, 92 yards. And then J.D. McKissick gets into the action in the passing game once again with 10 catches for 70 yards uh, on 10 targets. So he had 10 targets and 10 catches, which is pretty amazing. Logan Thomas, nine targets and nine catches. So... Nice and accurate there. Uh, They didn't... You know, those three guys had really nice days, but they compensated again for a rushing game that was anemic. 21 rushes for 45 yards total. And, I mean, I guess we got to get into it here. You know, Antonio Gibson comes out with turf toe. Seems unlikely to play this weekend against the 49ers. That, I think, takes... Well, what do you think? Does that take the wind out of their sails at all?
0: Well, just one thing, just just I'm going to end on the the Steelers. If yeah. I was a Steelers defense defensive coordinator, and I said, "What am I going to do? Gibby's out. What am I going to do? Well, let's just double team McLaurin, get him out of the game, and make everyone else beat us. Okay, and yeah. that's what Washington did. They did. They beat them without McLaurin, basically. You're right. It, that, that, that's what it is. Make them beat us, and we did. So that part, huge fan. Like That was an amazing full-team effort. Now, looking ahead at the Niners, l- l- I'm going to talk about a couple things. Sure. Number one is that we're on a short week going to an to Arizona. It's not even played in in, in California. It's even that's played right. in Arizona. Um, it's a short week, a short week that we weren't prepared for Hopefully that allows us to be able to put together a decent game plan. The the Niners are a team that should be playing better, but they're not. Right. They're not. And the Steelers were a team that was playing really good, but they shouldn't have been. They were winning by nothing, and the Steeler and the Niners are, are, are a better team than they are. And that scares me a little bit. We have a good couple games coming up, but we have to get through this one. You know, Trent Williams, I
1: think, is still out as a Niner, I don't think he's playing this week. I think you're right, which is too bad. I mean, I would have really loved to have seen Chase Young go up against Rand Williams. Yeah, but I mean I'm also glad we're not paying a guy who's not going to play. That is true.
0: Yeah, see that that's not that's not a a, a less amount of money. He's a little bit expensive. Yeah. Uh so we're walking into to the Steelers I mean uh the not the 49ers and They're mad because they got moved. They can't play in their own stadium. We're pretty much playing in a neutral area, and we're going against a team who's who's doing subpar for what they should be doing. Every game we play now has to be us fighting. Yeah, you're right. It has to be a fight. If we don't do that, we're, we're going to lose badly.
1: Yeah, I think it's funny. Under a normal set of circumstances one could almost call this a trap game. I don't know that Washington at 5-7 and seven is in a position where they can say, oh, well, the Niners are a trap. Like That's a game we should win, but maybe they'll sneak up on us because at this point, if the Niners were playing in the NFC East, then we'll talk a little bit about the NFC East. If the Niners were playing in the NFC East, they would be in first place in the NFC East. Easily. They just happen to be in the hardest division in football. Agreed. They they do. And, yeah, have they had a year that has been a bit of a disappointment? I think yes, for them, by their standards. Um, they are also 5-7, and 1-5 and five at home. And like you say, it's not even a home game for them. Uh, it's weird. I could see a set of circumstances where similar to what washington did with pittsburgh where pittsburgh was dealing with unfamiliar and unusual and complicated circumstances san francisco is also dealing with a challenging set of circumstances you know these these players these coaches like they're still family men they still have kids who some of whom are uh you know, working from home, you are know, doing school from home, so they're doing having to pull double duty in a way that they're not accustomed to. I mean, it's what everyone is going through. But then on top of that now, to have to travel to your games, to have to sort of like realign your life around these challenges. Again, I talked about this last time around, and I received some positive feedback about my statements on how the NFL has – been handling the coronavirus. Not controversial in my opinion, but apparently, you know, I'm in the middle of You deserve
0: it. I mean, you were right. I agree with you. you but I'm glad you got to say that. I,
1: I am too. I got it off my chest. I did feel a lot better. Uh, Washington, they're playing on a short week. San Francisco isn't playing in a set of circumstances that no football team would ever even envision as being part of the realm of possibility. You hear these coaches, some of them are like, oh yeah, we try to plan, we try to game plan for every set of circumstances that can occur. This is not one of the ones that you can prepare for. Having your your home field be your division rival's home stadium, like having to share a facility that's not yours, there's no way. You
0: you got kicked out of your entire city because of a pandemic. And now you're shoved in the Arizona... Yeah, you're right. There's you, you can't prepare for that. No one prepares for that. Now, I think on game day, um, right now, the Niners are a little bit deflated. Yes. There's there's no fans, so you can't feed off of that energy. So as a home game, it's a neutral site. So that gives us a little bit of an advantage. Uh, so Washington football team has to go in there and do something they have not done very well this entire year, and that is show up in the first half and stick it to them. Yeah. And if they go in hard, they show up, the, knock the dust off from the, the long trip to the West Coast, and they just go right at San Francisco from the get-go. I think we have a chance of winning this game. I think that, it, it, but we have to knock them off of their their balance and go. We want to break you. Yeah. You have gone through just as much as we have. You guys are in a different stadium. We don't want to be here either and not just hit him in the face and never let go.
1: Yeah. It's hard to feel like as an away team, you have momentum or like you have sort of everything on your side, but it does kind of feel that way. Washington now winners of three straight. I mean, those two games that they lost in this stretch against the Lions and the Giants were by a grand total of six points between the two games. And they had that monstrous win over the Cowboys before that. Yeah. So right now, again, I know this sounds like some Stockholm syndrome shit right here, but Washington is a combined six points away from being on a 6-0 and run right now. They have a lot to play for. They have a lot to play for. They can win a division. I think if you're San Francisco, you have the same record. You're in dead last in your division, and it doesn't seem, you know, it seems a little bit more remote. Their circumstances seem a little bit more dire than Washington's, even though they are, you know, at face value very similar. This is going to be, I mean, they're all big from here on out from a fan's perspective i feel like they're playing with house money i think any, oh, yeah. anything they do at this point i've already i've already made my money back on this team in terms of the payoff on this season i said 3 you said 5 so you're now in the house money category anything they do beyond here is 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 here we go you're sitting pretty this is a big one um i'm excited I hope they can keep this rolling. We've seen progression every week for at least the last six weeks. We've seen them take steps in the right direction. They have done it once. They beat Pittsburgh under weird circumstances. They're going to play another team under weird circumstances. The Niners are not nearly as good as Pittsburgh is. Man for man, as a team, as a unit. They're playing deflated. I don't know. I uh, I think this one is, is going to... I keep on saying this. It's going to show us something, but I kind of still feel like it's going to show us something.
0: So my big question uh, in going into this game is going to be Gibson. Yes. Tony Gibson's not playing. We know that. Turf is not going to play. I think, as I said, hit him in the mouth. Just, just go, go, go. And I think hitting someone in the mouth involves a lot of the run game. And if uh, if we can't establish a run game in this game coming up in the NFC West, that may be dire for us. they are these guys can play. Remember, they go against Kyler Murray. They go against Russell Wilson. They know how to play all of these passing games. They know how to play these quick offenses, which we don't have. Yes. If we would have to go in and just hit them in the mouth without Antonio Gibson, do we have that capability?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. You you have to keep in mind, I think it is clear, even under the best circumstances, I still feel this way, that the run offense is maybe the weakest unit they have in the game. Their passing game, I think, is slightly better than their run game. I think both elements of the defense are better than their offensive run game. I think the special teams is better than the run game. Under the best set of circumstances, and that's with Antonio Gibson in. And I know I've been hard on him. I still think he's—I'm I'm learning things. He's showing things. I still think the offensive line struggles. I still think they have—they could be better. And they're going up against a strong defensive defensive line. I mean, when you're looking at Bosa coming hard off the edge, he's a game-changer in the way that Washington's defensive ends have been game changers probably better. I mean, he's one of the best defensive ends in the game. He's one of the best defensive players in the game. He's going to he's going to create some havoc. And now you're saying, okay, our leading rusher, so our our best guy at something we're not even that good at to begin with is out. It's going to be tricky. And I think they're it's going to require every single guy who lines up at tailback to Give it everything they have. I think they're going to run Peyton Barber a lot between the tackles. He sort of seems to be the guy that they feel more comfortable sort of slamming between. He's the anvil. He is. I think they're yeah. going to see a lot of J.D. McKissick in pass blocking situations. And clearly when he plays, he is a magnet for the football. Alex Smith has eyes for, for Jared McKissick. He,
0: he's the He's the great just whatever's left over. He's the extra pass right there. Like, here's my dump pass right there. Done, 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 done. And, dun, 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 and dun. if it
1: means you're telegraphing a little bit what you do, if you run Barber out there, and the defense goes, "Okay, they're probably going to run the ball between the tackles here," I mean, you have to be you have to be good enough to overcome that. At least the defense has a good idea of what type of play you're going to run based on which guys out there. Yeah, and that makes it and, and- even harder. Absolutely.
0: Now to to add to that, the entire Washington football team is different than it was a few years ago. Sure. New coaches, new players, everything. Pretty much across the board, it's it's a new team. Yep. But the disdain that Kyle Shanahan has <sighs> yeah, for this hates. team, specifically the owner. Yeah, he and he will he him. keeps dodging that question, but he hates Dan Snyder. He hates the Washington football team. Yes. He hates all the things that happened out to him, to the coaches that were behind him, his dad, he despises just seeing the burgundy and gold show up. Yep. So you're watching this guy who, who again, we, we his team has lackluster. The people he hates the most are yeah. showing up into a stadium, and he wants to ruin us. He wants to, to look at the press box, stare at Dan Snyder, tell him to piss off and walk away.
1: Yeah, gloves are off. He... It is personal for him. For him, every time it's personal. I, the thing that comes to mind immediately that speaks to this was at some point he was asked a question in a press conference. He was asked, "What was your favorite thing about coaching with your dad?" Because he was on his dad's staff, or you know, coaching in Washington. And he said it was. He said it was my dad getting to coach with my dad. That was his answer. What was your favorite thing about coaching in Washington? It was getting to be with my dad, and. Then they asked some reporter, chimed in, and goes, "What was your least favorite thing?" And he goes, <laughs> "Everything else." <laughs> <laughs> exactly. He, uh, you're right. He, he absolutely, uh, he, he hated it here. He hates these these guys. And
0: it, it, it wasn't the fans. I want to make sure everyone understands that he doesn't hate the fans. He didn't hate the players. He hated everything else. He hated the stadium. He hated the way the team was run. He hated how they were treated. We had some of the Best coaches, yes, ever in the NFL, in our staff, yeah, sitting in front of us, and Dan Snyder ran him out of town. Yeah, Matt LaFleur, I think half of them are head coaches now. Deb,
1: Sean McVay. Yeah, it's it's tough. it's obscene. It's and, funny. And so I, I uh, do you know what happened eighty years ago yesterday on December eighth,
0: nineteen
1: forty. Nineteen forty. Nineteen forty. It is probably the. It's one of the most infamous games in franchise history. Is it the seventy-three to nothing game? It is the seventy-three to nothing game. It was them losing in the National Football League Championship game in nineteen forty. They lose seventy-three to nothing to the Bears. The Bears. I don't know how much how much you know about this, but they had played themselves. They these two teams had played each other, and Washington had won just a few weeks prior. Uh, they won seven to three. Three weeks before the championship game. And after the game, George Preston Marshall, who we know is now, he's canceled. He's um, infamous. He he told reporters that the Bears were crybabies and quitters. He called them crybabies and quitters. And the Bears' head coach, Papa Bear George (laughs) Hallis... Said that he, he fired up his team by showing them newspaper articles talking about George Marshall's uh, George Preston Marshall's comments. He said, "Gentlemen, this is what George Preston Marshall thinks of you. Well, I think you're a great football team. Now go out there and prove it." And so it became personal for them. It's like the Mike, Michael Jordan documentary at that point of game. Also,
0: don't you wish that someone could call me a crybaby and that would upset me? Oh yeah, I wish that we were still at that level in life. Yeah. Oh, you're a crybaby. Like, really? That's the best you got? Like, and I would laugh. I have literally oh, like, no
1: Twitter followers, and someone has called me a, like an ethnic slur. Like,
0: <laughs> oh, absolutely. Yeah. Twitter, again, the trolls are, are out They're there. They're out there. Hey, hey, keyboard heroes, good job.
1: This this feels <laughs> like a game where if, if Kyle Shanahan gets the opportunity to – if he's like, if I can put up 73 points, he'll, he'll do it. Because he oh, has that he much, he will not hate. stop. He's been called more than he—he's been treated as though he's been called a crybaby, but like times a thousand. Like they, oh, they yeah. went after his dad, the whole thing. You know, we don't need to rehash this. We Shanahan don't go into
0: that, era. but I'm, Shanahan hates us. Yeah, hates this team. And again, yeah. I'm not mad at him. No, we've all saw what happened. Yes, I'd be—I'm mad. I'm mad because we did it to him. Yeah,
1: there are a lot of people. Like, I'm that not leave, happy. There are a lot of people that leave Washington, both players and coaches, who leave leave mad. And he's oh, he's they, one of them for sure.
0: Mad is an understatement. They are pissed. They want to burn us to the ground. And again, it's Dan Snyder's fault. Yep. It's what he, the people he put in. It's this we've we're changing the culture. Please, for the love of God, I hope we were about Ron and, and and Del Rio are changing the culture. It seems like they are, but that's twenty years of culture. They're going to have to change. Right. It's going to take some time. And they're going to go against a lot of people like Kyle Shanahan yeah. who hate. The Burgundy and gold. Despise us.
1: Uh, Rome not built in a day. Uh, But all of that is to say, there's going to be some stakes. There's some emotions. There is going to be some other extracurricular thing going on that I think are going to elevate the stakes in a way that, frankly, for this game, they don't even need it to be exciting because it's it's now everything from here on out is is exciting and interesting maybe some of it's going to be shitty like maybe some of it's like not going to be the best football you've ever seen but i don't know about you i watch the army navy football game every year and it's not the prettiest football you've ever seen but i love it okay i love army navy football i think washington football for the rest of the year at times is going to be ugly but it's going to matter And that is something kind of neat and exciting. I'll take it. To be the king of Shit Mountain. I mean, right now, Shit Mountain, the the NFC East. um, NFC East, we'll we'll talk about it. So, NFC East. Let's talk about it. I think this week earned a little bit more respect from around the league. With Obviously, with Washington's defeat of an undefeated Pittsburgh Steelers. And the New York Giants also tied in for, or they're in first place by virtue of having beaten Washington twice, uh, knocking off the Seahawks. I think in a game that no one gave them a shred of a chance, zero. Um, yeah, f- fellow fellow Colt Colt McCoy uh, going for the dub, and Alfred Morris having himself um, a little bit of a resurgence, late career resurgence. I don't know, you know.
0: Um, FAU fan right there. Yeah, That's
1: right. So. The two of those two victories, I think, quieted a lot of the jokes down a little bit.
0: Obviously, this it's is just—we're still a bad division. It's still a bad yeah. division.
1: I don't know if we talk. I don't know if we knew this by last week, but it is a division that is guaranteed in aggregate to have a losing record.
0: Not until last week did we know that. Yeah, like so. Whoever wins this division will not have a 500. Record. Well, no, it
1: means that every single team if you add in the East, Washington, Dallas, yeah. Philly, and New York. If you combine their records at the end of the season, it will be below 500.
0: That's that's obscene. It's that's not ridiculous. good. No, matter, no, no, it's horrible.
1: Washington the only team in the division right now with a positive point differential. They are plus 3. They're the only team in the division. But that's, Oh my god. I mean, it's going to be Compelling, right?
0: It, it, here's why it's compelling, and I agree with you. It's compelling because it's still a division in the NFL. Yeah. It's still a division, and we're still trying to win it. We have all these teams that are, you know, four teams that are trying to trying. Now, uh, Dallas is out. Dallas is a big pile, of, a steaming pile of crap, and I don't, I don't think McCarthy makes it through the rest of the season.
1: You really think they cut bait at this point? I mean, I think
0: they should. But,
1: I think they for sure should. But... I, I mean,
0: if he if he makes it to the end of the season, I'll be shocked. And also, once the season ends, so much of the Dallas um, payroll is all in like three or four guys. They're not going to get anyone on the sides. Like the, their team's going to start degrading rather quickly.
1: The and the salary cap is supposed to go down next year. Yeah, it's supposed to go oh, down yeah. like ten million. And they're not even the team that is worst off in the division. We'll get to them. Oh yeah, we'll get to them. They're not the wor- they're not worst off, but they're in trouble. And,
0: and that's the problem. Is that, so the Cowboys are gonna fall apart? We're looking at it uh, next year. The Cowboys are gonna have to restructure everything, but they have these contracts that are huge that aren't going anywhere for a couple of years. So the Cowboys, unless they start trading everyone away for draft picks and doing great job of picking up they're they're they're, they're gonna fall apart for the next couple of years. Yeah. And they're not coming back this year.
1: They lo- I think their window is, is shut. I think they yeah, had one.
0: It, it, it just closed.
1: I think they had one maybe from like twenty I wanna say fifteen to eighteen. Okay. Was probably the, in my eyes like their best shot. But I don't think I think it's over. I don't think that they can win a championship. With the guys that they have, with like Dak and yeah. Zeke, I just don't see it. No, yeah. and it's not even yeah. the two of their fault. But they used to. I mean, their offensive line was so good, and it's falling for apart. so long. For so long, best. It was oh. arguably the best in the league, and I hate saying that because I don't like the Cowboys. But they, I just, I think it's over. Uh, and they're three and nine, so they cannot finish at eight and eight. So, congratulations, nope.
0: Cowboys fans. So. The other thing we need to talk about is the other team that's having this horrible, horrible ability to keep their cap together,
1: oh. and that's the Eagles. They are in so much trouble from a cap perspective. We, we got the word, what, yesterday, that Jalen Hurts is officially named the starter, which is their starter, definitely much faster than I think anyone could have ever imagined that that was going to happen.
0: But Wentz has been so bad. He's a chump.
1: He's definitely a chump. Uh, uh, a well-paid chump. Yeah, his, his, his contract, his extension has not even kicked in yet. He, I mean, they are gonna sink a lot of money into Carson Wentz next year. This year, his base salary is one point three million dollars with like three million dollars in signing bonus. Like so his cap hit his cap hit this year total is eighteen million dollars. Next oh, wow. year his cap hit is thirty four million dollars.
0: But how much of that is signing bonus? Because again with the NFL it doesn't million. matter. It doesn't
1: matter three point seven. But so so his base salary dead... his base salary next year is fifteen million. Yeah.
0: Oh God! So there's a good chance he gets cut.
1: His like they just may just cut him. His salary the year after that is twenty two million. Oh my God! The year after that, it's twenty million. <laughs> the year after that, oh my God! It's twenty one million. How much of that is guaranteed? That's a great question. Because because the NFL all can. it the guaranteed money next year. Oh, uh, Where's the guaranteed?
0: It's all about how much hits the uh, the cap again. Next right, year guaranteed ten. That's a big hit. Yeah, not as bad as I thought. But again, if they if they cut him, they're talking about you know twenty twenty one fully
1: guarantees twenty twenty one salary fully guarantees
0: yeah. on March twentieth of twenty twenty. Well, they, they may cut him on. April first.
1: Can you imagine? I mean, sorry,
0: sorry. February twenty.
1: The, the dead Up. cap, the the cap hit, the dead cap for him next year is thirty four million. That's
0: obscene. You can't even cut him. Like, he's uncuttable him. at that point. No, and of course that that's just that's just whence they have made so many bad decisions on so much cap that they don't have anything left.
1: Yeah, they, they they'll be cutting players next they year just to save the ability to any anyone on the phone. This is it'll never get better than this. We'll just keep these guys forever. And it's funny because the Phillies did the same thing when they kept Ryan Howard. We saw what so, happened with that. It's a very Philadelphia thing for them to have done. Um, they are in a lot of trouble, I think. If they can't, I mean, even if these guys performed at the level that they expected them to, they had no money to pay anybody else. I think they would no, have just. None. I think they were just like, we'll figure it out. And it's coming crashing down on them. Well, they unbelievable... thought they
0: were going to put together this great team, and the team's going to win Super Bowl, and then maybe playoffs a couple times, and maybe one more Super Bowl yeah. being this year. Both the Cowboys and the Eagles were expecting winning seasons this year, and it all fell apart. Yeah. it's, it's And wild. so now we're looking at us, the Washington football team, and we are projected to have right around $50 million in available cap space. 50, five,
1: zero. Yeah. That 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 situates you very nicely for if let's say there's a ten million dollar reduction in cap next year, which is conceivable. Um, They have they don't have a lot of contracts. I mean they're they're well positioned to do something. They were looking to try to spend some of that money this off season when they went to try to get Amari Cooper and it didn't work out.
0: Thank God, because he's done nothing. Not
1: not. Yeah, not really working for them. Um,
0: They're going to go after Robinson from Chicago, and I hope they get him. He's a he's a playmaker and he'll pull some some yeah some stuff off McClaren. But then we got to look at the Giants. Yeah, now we have fifty million. How are the Giants stacking up for next year? Is there an opportunity there where they have cap space so the NFC East will fall to the Cowboys and the Eagles falling down while us and the the Giants are falling up.
1: Yeah, they're going to have about 20 million of cap space next year, so half as much, but... And they'll have Barkley back. They'll have Saquon back. Daniel Jones, I think, I mean, obviously he's hurt and he's not playing right now. I think the book's still out on him. I think he probably, I think he can be a productive NFL quarterback. I actually think he... I believe so. ...will be in a, a productive NFL quarterback. I think he's going to end up being, like, a, a more agile and I'm not just saying this because he looks like him. a more agile, Eli. Like he's never gonna. Oh, I
0: was gonna go. I was gonna go with a little bit better, uh, Matthew Stafford.
1: I think Matthew Stafford's pretty good. I don't know if he's actually gonna be. But
0: he falls apart every second he can. Like he throws a ball, his pinky falls out. He's done. I mean, he gets hurt all the time.
1: They're, I think, come from the same cloth. Frankly, uh, Eli, Eli just yeah. happened to like end up with two championships. It, it will forever ever baffle me that Eli Manning has two championships. But yeah, there there's it baffles Eli. That's right. <laughs> he doesn't know Just being he honest, doesn't know anything
0: that's going on right now. The, we'll, no we'll no one's more baffled by that than Peyton, who's like, I was one of the best quarterbacks
1: ever. I got two. Yeah. My brother over here who's an asshat, he got two. Yeah. How, did that, How happen? did that happen? I think Daniel I think Daniel Jones, um I mean, but you know, he's still got some time left. I mean, he's he, yeah. not it's not going he's great, new. but he's tra- it's tracking better than Dwayne Haskins as That's all I'll say about that. Um, so they are going to have some space to work with, so they're not necessarily as handcuffed as the other two. Washington, I think, is going to be well situated if they can sort of like draft well again and hit on a free agent because they don't always do that. They don't always no, hit on don't. free agents. No, it they always go old
0: old and really expensive and
1: just fall apart so yeah i mean right now like i said they have a plus four point differential the giants minus 34 point differential eagles minus 54 point differential Wow. cowboys minus 125 point differential (laughs) ow yeah big yikes
0: big Uh, ah mccarthy doesn't make it he does not make it good uh, is, so but just in hearing that it's like the opportunity for us to strike for the NFC East is now. And in the next four years. Sure. And you, that's you, what you take we have it, to do. You
1: take it 10 times out of 10, you get an opportunity to go to the playoffs. You, you don't, you don't sort of question, Oh, what does this mean for our draft pick? You just take it. Cause anything can happen to the playoffs.
0: Well, so two things that happened on a Monday afternoon, right before the game started, this, people said two things that I really enjoyed it. Yes. Rick Doc Walker on Twitter let everyone know that uh, in the NFL, all the teams who had below 500 records or at 500 records, most of them had gone on and actually won their first round of playoffs. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was kind of cool. like you have these people, the underdogs had gone in and actually won. And the second thing that really I really enjoyed was that the commentators of Fox, all uh, like four or five of them, they laughingly said, hey, Whenever we all agree, that team always loses, and then all five proceed to pick the Steelers. Yeah, I saw that. So those are two happy things that Mike happened Vick, there. I saw now, him
1: on there. I'm. We'll, well, yeah, we'll, have, Mike Vick, just, we'll have Mike Vick. We'll have Mike Vic talking another time. I think we're probably going to disagree on that one. But Ron Mexico, Ron Mexico. Yes. Yeah. One
0: day I'll tell that story. It was a
1: great story. Anyway. Um, yeah. They they yeah. went on. They all picked the Steelers, and the Steelers uh,
0: went and ate shit.
1: Um. But I let me let me digress that just
0: yes, just for a second. Yes. The that puts the Washington football team with Ron and, and Del Rio. That gives us an opportunity to put together a team for the next few years. It does, and that is the most optimistic thing that I can say. And that makes me very happy. We have money, we have coaches, culture's changing. Fuck
1: yeah! Ceiling the ceiling is high. Ceiling is high. Yeah. I'll tell you where the ceiling is not so high. Is uh in my pick'em pool. Uh not going so high. Oh. Uh I'm currently You did go cool. you you had one pick'em last week and you got it. You I did I got it. the points. I got I got Washington in the points. Um I went seven and eight last week. Not so good. You
0: went eight and eight and then seven and eight. Yeah. You were at four three, four and five reigned before, so you've gotten a little bit better. That's
1: true. I'm still I'm tied in eleventh, I'm twelve points behind the leader. I'm gonna we're just gonna do rapid fire, make picks. Okay, uh, go
0: before before we But you have to say where are the where are the game's
1: at. I will. New England okay. at the Rams. Rams are five and a half point favorites. Rams. Okay. Washington or nope. <laughs> this is very confusing. Arizona is two and a half point underdogs on the road against the Giants. Oh, Arizona. I should take it back. They're two-and-a-half-point favorites. It's plus two-and-a-half. So I still think two Arizona. And a half point, yeah, two-and-a-half points. That's yeah. crazy against the Giants. They're not that good. Uh, Dallas is three-and-a-half-point favorites on the road at Cincinnati.
0: That's a hard one. It point. is a hard
1: one. That's a really hard one.
0: Because uh, Burrow's still out, right? Yes.
1: He's out for a and, long and,
0: time. And so, yeah, Mixon's still out.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Okay, I actually would take Cowboys on that one. I think one. me too. Yeah.
1: Denver is... On the road at Carolina. Carolina, three-and-a-half-point favorites.
0: I Denver burned me last time. They had to pick Carolina. They just straight-up burned me. Where's it at? At Carolina. Uh, I'll take Carolina.
1: Yeah. Houston, one-and-a-half-point favorites on the road at Chicago. I'll take Chicago. Okay. Love them at home. Kansas it should be cold there. Kansas City, seven-and-a-half-point favorites at Miami. So seven-and-a-half points plus seven-and-a-half points. Oh, Kansas City. Tampa six and a half point favorites at home against Minnesota.
0: That's all. I, I, mm, yeah, it's it's in Tampa. in Tampa. You know what? I, I call upset. I'm a, Minnesota. I'm going to go Minnesota. Okay. Uh,
1: Tennessee at Jacksonville. Jacksonville plus seven and a half. So Tennessee seven and a half point favorites on the road.
0: I can't. I can't turn down Henry. I'm going with uh, Tennessee.
1: Vegas, at home is two-and-a-half-point underdogs to Indianapolis.
0: Indianapolis, I'm so taking. The- After what they showed against the Jets, the Jets is the worst team I've ever seen, and, and the Raiders barely beat them. Yeah, that was... And Jeff... Uh, RIP uh, Greg
1: Williams. Greg he, Williams gave him the game. May he so. never coach ever again.
0: <laughs> that was the worst decision I've ever seen in my entire life. May he never.
1: Uh, Seattle... Ooh. Seattle, thirteen and a half point favorites at home against the Jets. Speaking of, man, you, thirteen and a half is too many points. Thirteen and a half.
0: That's too many points. I would, I would actually just, I would take the, the Jets. Jets and the points.
1: No, you can't take the
0: Jets. Yeah, I, I don't think they're going to lose by thirteen and a half.
1: Okay, all right. We've.
0: That's all it is. Like, I, I don't think they're going to win. I they were, they're going to lose by thirteen and a half.
1: I'm going to use my one veto override and pick Seattle here.
0: Go for it. Go for it. Yeah. Seattle did so bad last week. I am just, it's one of those, I, I don't think they're going to lose by that much. I
1: think they'll lose by 10. Jets are so bad. Um, Chargers so bad. at home against Atlanta. Atlanta's two and a half point favorites on the road. Hmm. They got their ass kicked. It,
0: the Chargers. Atlanta?
1: No, the Chargers got shut out this
0: week. Yes, but Atlanta's been playing well recently, so I'd, I'd pick Atlanta. Right. I think that that's a good call. Yeah, they, they for some reason the moment they're not available for the playoffs anymore, they play great.
1: Tricky one here. Detroit at home against Green Bay. Detroit is seven and a half point in underdogs.
0: Uh, I'm gonna go with Detroit. I'm gonna keep Detroit
1: plus seven and a half. Okay.
0: Yeah, it, it's it's Aaron Rodgers can either beat you by thirty. Or you beat him by two. Yeah, but he, it doesn't make he, any he sense. does
1: get Detroit. He just, he has a way of going into Ford Field or whatever it's called now and just like ripping their hearts out. Yeah. Well, Matt Patricia. But he always he always wins by three. Matt Patricia, so. RIP as well. Uh, Philly's seven and a half point underdogs at home against New Orleans.
0: Oh, New Orleans. Yeah. Oh, no, 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 wait, wait, wait. Drew Brees is gone, right? He is. I would, uh, I would actually would take, Eagles in the points. I think the Eagles are going to lose, but seven and a half. I think they'll lose by seven. Interesting.
1: I'm always inclined to bet against a team that has a quarterback starting in his first game ever. S- the Saints have no Jalen Hurts. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's what I'm saying. Like, so
0: I would go with uh I would. Def- but I still want to take the points. Okay. Like, All I think right, th- I think it's going to happen. Yeah,
1: because you have Teason Hill, who's great. No, I'm wrong. He's not. Yeah. Um. Skip ours. I will say, okay, Buffalo, two-and-a-half-point favorites against Pittsburgh.
0: Oh, Buffalo.
1: Really? You think Pittsburgh loses two in a row? Yeah. Wow. Buffalo is pretty good.
0: They're pretty good. They are, and the Pittsburgh hasn't played that well. They showed that.
1: And then Monday Night Football, a good one. Cleveland at home against Baltimore. Cleveland is one-and-a-half-point underdogs.
0: I'm going Baltimore. Wow.
1: Okay, Cleveland's having a nice day.
0: Yeah, I think uh, Lamar Jackson has had time to to, to rest. He's got to think about it. He's able to put his season back together. I think Lamar Jackson's going to come up firing.
1: And then San Francisco is three-and-a-half-point favorites against Washington.
0: Actually, I would take the points on Washington that
1: way. Taking Washington. Yeah, I think if we
0: lose, we lose by a field goal.
1: I think you're right. I... I think you're right. I don't know what's going to happen. I think happen. it's going to be a lot closer it's gonna be, than people it's think. It's going to be close. Do we, should we yeah. make predictions? Just do it. Uh, you go first. <laughs> so twenty-four
0: twenty-one, Washington.
1: I was going to say twenty-four twenty-one, San Francisco. Ooh. <laughs> yeah.
0: uh-huh. I'd put my beard on the line, but uh, I can't do, do that because I already shaved it. You can't do it. it. We had luscious beards, just P. so everyone knows. For now. It's coming back. It's already starting to grow back. Yeah, the, the
1: beard is dead. Long live the beard. <laughs> there it is. Um, I'm going to give you the soapbox. Yeah, please. For please. A, a minute or two here before we hit the credits. Um, I know there's something that's near and dear to your heart that uh, happened today that you want to talk about in the sports world, but really in like the real world too. We'll um, just give you Absolutely. a story. So as
0: a podcast, uh, Cult of Cult, we have always focused on the wonderful world of the Washington football sure. team. Of course we have. Of course, knowing that at some point in time the season is going to end, there's other things and other sports that we are passionate about. Um, and I'd like to keep the podcast going and, and be able to knock in a couple of those things in the, the offseason. Not only talk about the Washington football team, but also talk about other Washington slash Maryland area slash Virginia teams. This today, actually, um, I am a Maryland guy. I grew up in Montgomery County. You don't I live in Frederick. <laughs> I, mean, it, it's, I mean, you guys know that by now. Uh, I'm a huge fan of the Frederick Keys. Uh, I actually went to the games before they were at the current stadium. And I was there at the current stadium when they first started as a child. I have some fond memories of being able to go to Frederick and see that camaraderie happen. Uh, The Frederick Keys has been for years and years is one of the most attended and watched minor league teams in the area by far. It actually has been the most watched in the in, in the area. But unfortunately, Today, was announced that they were no longer going to be affiliated with any major league team. That's right. Now, that is actually very sad to me. I'm a huge Orioles fan. Uh, I know everyone who's a Nats fan. Guys, sorry, I grew up with no Nats my whole life. I'm a huge Washington fan, but there was no Washington team, so Orioles it is. And with that, watching a team you've loved your whole life in the Orioles – not be able to keep a hold of and decide not to keep a team you love as the Frederick Keys is very disappointing. Uh, not as disappointing as watching the Hagerstown Sun get completely, completely dissolved. They're gone. So if you're a Hagerstown Sun fan, they're gone. Minor League Baseball, I know why we talk about the turn in football. Don't care. Still going to keep it in my soapbox. Um, but the positive is if everybody wants to know about Minor League Baseball, real quick is that the Frederick Keys are going to be part of what's called the Major League Draft League. And what that is is that the juniors from colleges and also some seniors will come in and play with six teams, and they'll play from mid-May till the end of August and show what they can do for the draft. And I'm highly looking forward to that, and the Frederick Keys are part of that. So we haven't lost baseball in Frederick, however, is disappointed that it's no longer affiliated with a Major League team.
1: Yeah, very sorry for your loss. I also grew up going to Frederick Keyes games as well. Um, Don't have as strong a tie, clearly, as you do. But um, it is anytime anytime there's less baseball is a bit of a bummer, and especially when there's an organization with strong ties to the area and strong ties to the major league club. um, It's a loss. It's clearly a loss, but... As you say, there is still cause for optimism. At some point, uh, we'll be able to go back to stadiums, and there will still be Frederick Keyes baseball. So I uh, appreciate you sharing uh, sharing your your thoughts and emotions there.
0: I, I do have uh, one quick Frederick Keyes wonderful story about my brother and I. Tell me. Um, now, the general manager of the Baltimore Orioles used to be Dan Duquette. Yes. Well-known, well-established. Him and uh, Buck Showalter did a lot of great stuff together. And uh, it's All Star Weekend, and my brother—I uh, have a couple of brothers, so this, I'm not going to give names. But one of my brothers and I we're in the bathrooms, and Is this
1: brother who has been on the podcast or brother who has not? Been no, on
0: the no, 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 not on the there podcast, brother. So yeah, okay, so yeah, I, I have four brothers, so it's, it's very confusing. Uh, but we go to the—we're going—we're in the bathroom, and uh, after the game has ended, and of course, I give my brother a good smack on the ass, so he kind of pees off to the side of the urinal. And, we start laughing Classic at each other. And we start, oh, yeah, complete guy shit. And in the corner of the bathroom, there's this guy just kind of staring at us like we're well we're idiots. He's like giving us a weird look, almost like oh, you guys are asshats. And and we're fucking around, and we're like, you know, I won't give him a paper towel. and We're just – the game's over. Like we've been drinking the whole game. We don't care. We walk out, and my the brother that was on the podcast is standing there waiting for us. We walk out, and he goes, oh, shit. And I go, what? And we turn around and he's like, that's Dan Duquette. I'm like, oh, that was a guy staring us awkwardly in the bathroom. And why that story is funny to me is because no less than a couple of weeks later, I'm at an Orioles game and I meet Dan Duquette's brother, who also used to work for the Orioles. And I tell him the story and he starts laughing hysterically. I'm like, why do you find that funny? He goes, because I heard about that.
1: <laughs> wow. Only you could uh could be known for your bathroom antics
0: my bathroom antics at the frederick keys game with the gm of the baltimore there Orioles.
1: <sighs> well on that note uh the cult of cult podcast is produced and edited by me brian stabby and my co-host and director of social media it's on his business card it is gumby you can follow the cult of cult on twitter you should at cult of cult that's all one word we're also available on Untapped. I'm at BStabby at B Stabby. and you are at D. Cumberland Jr. We've been having some good beers lately. Highly recommend you check it out. Delicious. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, and Spotify by searching Hugs Haven, a Washington Football Team podcast. And we ask you three things: if you like what you've heard, that you subscribe, that you rate five stars, and you tell one friend to listen podcast it makes a huge difference for our ability to reach new listeners we know your listening time is valuable we appreciate that you take your time to spend it with us gumby always a pleasure spending time with you we'll be right back here next week on the cult of Cold.